This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. This week, however, I'm super excited for you to hear uh, from a dear friend of mine, Pastor Mark Matier. Uh, a few weeks ago, you heard from Pastor David Murphy from Bayside Church. Well, this is David Murphy's boss from Bayside Church. Not really. Uh, he told me, you know, he's not really his boss, but he still kind of is in charge of him just a little bit. Um, and he's come all the way from Florida to hang out with us. Uh, Pastor Mark is the executive director of Central Support for Bayside and all their campuses that they have at Bayside, reaching thousands and thousands of people. He brought his wonderful wife, Julia, up with him. They have three children, one grandchild. Would you guys do me a favor? Stand to your feet. Let's give Pastor Mark the greatest Elevate, warmest welcome this morning. Well, what's going on, Elevate Church? Wow, so great to be here. Hey, can I just ask you to keep standing for just one moment? Can we show your love to your pastor, Pastor Colby, and his amazing wife, Kristen? Aren't they awesome? Yeah. Thank you so much for doing that with me. You can have a seat. You have got just the most amazing pastor here in the world. And, and his wife, Kristen, they are just some dear friends of ours. And um, wow, this church is just doing amazing. I just, um, if, if you are a member here, if this is a church that, that you call home, I just want to encourage you to get involved because I, I don't know if you know this or not, may, maybe you do, but God is doing something amazing here. And so part of what I do is I travel around the country and coach a lot of different churches. And, and I, again, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but what God is doing here is special. It, it is amazing. In fact, we have been here since Friday, and when we came into town, we would tell people why we're here, and every single person we talked to heard of your church. And not only that, but the people that we were talking to, somebody would overhear, oh, Elevate Church, yeah, I go to that church, that, that's awesome. That is unique. And so, again, I just want to encourage you that if, if you're a member or, or if this is where you call home, go out to the hub, tell them you want to get involved because God is doing something amazing here. And, yeah, he really is. He really is. And for everyone else and for those out in our overflow area, if you are a first-time guest, I just want to encourage you to come back, mainly because next week, as you heard, Pastor Colby will be preaching, and the preaching will be much better, I promise you. So don't judge Elevation LA Church on, on what you hear today. So uh, again, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm from Bayside Community Church in Sarasota, Florida, and the weather there is just like it is here. This is awesome. I, I feel like I, I never left Florida. And uh, as I mentioned, glad to be with the love of my life, Julia. We have been married for 34 amazing years, babe. They have been the best years of my life. Thank you. So, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of weird. 
Um, we got married in kindergarten, so uh, that was kind of a weird thing at, at our school, kind of uh, what everybody's been talking about. But we actually moved to Florida from Pennsylvania, from State College. So any Penn State fans in the house today? Or, yeah, that is awesome. Wow, I, I do feel like I'm at home. So, uh, okay, so I got a test for you. So, and those of you in the overflow, I'm going to ask you a question, and those of you here, and we're going to see the you Penn State fans if, if you get this right, okay? You ready? All right, here we go. We are state. I love it. I love it. That is awesome. I feel like I just got saved all over again, so... <laughs> That is cool. It is just great to be back in Pennsylvania. I love this state. I love this city where you live, this community. It is just amazing. In fact, my, uh, let me get this right, my great, 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 great grandfather immigrated from Ireland to Pennsylvania, settled in Harrisburg. And then his son, which would have been my great, 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 great grandfather, uh, actually uh, fought in the Revolutionary War in Huntington, PA. Anybody know where Huntington is? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah, just a little bit south of, of State College. And then my great-great-grandfather was in the Union Army here in Pennsylvania and fought in the Civil War. So Pennsylvania is our home. I love this place. You guys are so blessed to, to be able to call this area home. And um, like I said, it's just great to, to be back. And so the title of my message today is pursuing excellence. And I am so excited to share this with you today because I know this is a message that's going to resonate with you. I know that this is a core value that many of you have. And the reason I know that is because this church, Elevate Church, has this as their core value. I believe one of the reasons that this church is growing as quickly as it is is because this is one of your core values. I uh, got a tour on Saturday of all the areas. And if, has anybody here, have you all been to the kids area, uh, kids church? Have you been there? Yeah. I, I mean, you can eat off the floors back there. And as I was given, given a tour, I was just looking around. I'm like, there has got to be a scuff mark somewhere on one of these walls. I could not find one single scuff mark. I was like, come on, I'm starting to feel bad here about our church. There's, there's got to be something here, some flaw, nothing. And so this message is really going to resonate with you. This message I know is, is going to be one that you're going to hear things that, that you agree with. And Because as the old saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. And so, like I said, I know that that, that is the reason many of you come here, because they value the same things that, that you value. And so today, as you listen to this message, I want to ask you a question, and that is, ask yourself, can you do this to an even higher degree? So you're going to hear things that you're like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that, that's something that I agree with. So when you listen, ask yourself, can I do that to even greater level? Because here's the thing, I believe as you do that, you're going to find yourself that you'll have even greater influence. You'll find that in your life you'll have even greater impact and even more success than you ever have before as you listen to this. So let's go ahead and get started, and let's start by defining what we mean when we say the word excellence. Now, first of all, excellence is not perfection. 
Perfection is nothing more than trying to meet unrealistic expectations, okay? Perfection is not what we're talking about today. So many times we confuse perfection with excellence. And so today, here is how I define excellence. Excellence is being a good steward of your life. Let me say that again. Excellence is being a good steward of your life. So each one of us have been blessed with certain skills, talents, and abilities, certain things that, that God has innately gifted us with. And so maybe for you, you're in here or listening from the overflow area, and maybe for you, your skill is sales. Maybe you just have a way with people and, and find yourself just gifted in sales. Or maybe for you, you're gifted with leadership. Maybe management is, is your thing, and, and you just find that you have just an innate ability to, to get things done through, through others. Or maybe for you, you're a skilled craftsman. Maybe you just have a knack for building things, and, and you're mechanically inclined. Or maybe for you, you're great in production, and, and you're really good at accomplishing tasks, tasks that other people just could not get done. They come easily for you. Or maybe the technical fields, or the sciences, or, or healthcare. Whatever it is that God has gifted you with, being a good steward of that in your life, that's how we're defining excellence, and that's what we're talking about today. So, for example, your lead pastor, Pastor Colby, Obviously, he's a gifted communicator. I've heard a lot of his messages. And so you listen to him and you say, obviously, that is something that, that he does well. So he has been a good steward of that gift by leading this church, by employing that, that gift, if you will, to reach others for Christ. So he obviously is good at leadership. Again, your church is growing under his leadership. So people have to identify that and say, well, obviously, that is an area that he is gifted. So he has used that skill, that talent. He has been a good steward of that. That's how we define excellence. So how about you? How has God gifted you? What are your skills, talents, and abilities? And, and being a good steward of that, that is what we're talking about today. And the scripture we're going to base this message on can be found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Daniel became distinguished above all the others because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, Daniel was a guy that had it going on. Daniel is what I call one of the superheroes of the, of the Bible, one of the, the rock stars. And this scripture says that he distinguished himself above all the others by doing things with excellence. I love what the King James says, which says he had an excellent spirit. And see, because of that, the king said to Daniel, I'm going to put you over the entire country. And you see, here's the thing. Some of you today are going to grab onto this message, and God's going to put you over some stuff. Some of you today, you're going to lean in, and you're going to take notes, and you're about ready to get a raise. Some of you are going to listen to this, and you're going to make some changes, and you're about ready to get a promotion. Because the really cool thing about this message I'm sharing with you today is you see, Daniel lived in a time where he didn't have some things that we have today. See, Daniel lived in, during the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. So he didn't have some things that we have available to us today. So it's actually easier for us to distinguish ourselves than it was for Daniel because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, 
we have some things that are available to us that Daniel just didn't have. So I've only been in full-time ministry for seven years. And actually, I spent the majority of my life in the business world. So I got a degree, and as soon as I got a degree, I got into management. And it, uh, it's so interesting that what I found just being in management, and I've literally managed just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and always a believer, I gave my life to, to Christ when I was in college. And, and what I noticed as a believer in management is that there was no difference between Christians and non-Christians when it came to this area of excellence, what, what we're talking about today. Now, this is just one Pennsylvanian's opinion, okay? So this, this is just what I observed. But it seemed to me like there was just, there was no difference between believers and, and non-believers. In, in fact, uh, when people did things well, they were just as likely to be a Christian as a non-Christian. And on the other hand, when people didn't do things well, when I had to, to terminate people and, and we had to, to part ways, they were just as likely to be a Christian as a non-Christian. In fact, if, if I were to be perfectly candid with you today, I would say that actually they were more likely to be a Christian than, than a non-Christian, those that weren't performing well. And let me ask you this. What if we, now when I say we, I mean we as a people, we as the church, the capital C church, what if we took this scripture that we just read in Daniel seriously, and we said that let's us as a people, let's distinguish ourselves above all the others by doing things with excellence. I wonder what kind of impact we could have, because what, what I found is that in, in management, and by the way, where, where are my managers? Anybody, a business owner or, or managers? Yes, yeah, several of us. Uh, okay. So um, what I found, and I'm sure you, you will agree with me, is that whenever you have a job opening, that what, what happens is people always have opinions for you on who you should hire. And what I found just, again, over the, the years and years of, of being in management, when somebody has a, a, an opening, let's say you got an opening in sales, People will oftentimes come up to you and they'll say, hey, you know who you should hire? Have you met Rob over in finance? You, you, you ought to you hire Rob for your, your sales job. I mean, Rob is amazing. Have you ever noticed that when you go into the, the business office that, that Rob stands up and he greets you and he just like falls over himself to help you and is, is always willing to do whatever it takes and uh, you know, I walked in there once, and I know they were in the middle of an audit, and everybody's running around and going crazy. Rob took time out of his day to, to help me. I was looking for a report, and it's like, that guy can't do enough for you. I, I know sales and finance is a little bit different, but I'm telling you, that Rob is, is killing it. You, you want to talk to Rob. Or maybe they might say, you know who you need to hire? Have you met Sue up, up at the front, front desk? Man, she's awesome. Every day you come in and she's just happy and friendly and, and greets you. And, and, you know, I oftentimes give Sue things to do that I know is outside of her job description, outside of the scope of, of what she does. I, I just think you, you ought to talk to Sue because she is just fantastic. And, and I, I think somebody else is going to snatch her up if, if you don't give her this promotion. So that's typically 
how it, it, it goes when, when we're hiring people or when we have a job opening. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has a recommendation. Well, what if that conversation went something like this? What if that conversation went like, hey, come over here. Hey, I know you've got a job open in sales. You know who you should hire in, in that job? No, who should I hire? You should hire a Christian. A what? Yeah, you ought to hire a Christian. Why would I want to hire a Christian? I'm not a religious person. Why? Oh, I'm not a religious person either. But can I just tell you, I had a Christian once that worked for me in sales. That guy was amazing. Every single month, he made his goal. That guy was always great in customer service, and, and his customers love him, and, and he was always going above and beyond. And can I tell you something else? He actually, one month, turned in his commission claim, and we paid him. But the only thing is, we paid him $3,000 more than what he submitted on his claim. And he brought it to me in, in my office, and he said, hey, um, uh, you guys overpaid me. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Nobody's ever said that to me. I was like, how do we overpay you? And th this guy said, yeah, uh, he showed me his commission claim and, and showed me his check. And, and I was like, you're right. And can I tell you, we would have never known the difference. We would have just paid him the $3,000 more and, and never known the difference. And finally, I asked this guy, I'm like, what, why are you telling me this? Why, why are you showing me this? And he said something about doing his work as unto the Lord and respect or morals or something about God and, and the child of God. Or I, I didn't understand it, but let me tell you, if, if, if you want to have a great employee, hire a Christian. Now, you can't put that on, a, on an application and you can't ask that in an interviewing question, but, but I would I'd try to find a Christian. What if we as a people were known like that? What if we as a people were known as a people that distinguished ourselves above all the others? I just wonder what kind of an impact we could have. I just wonder, would people take note? Would they take a look at us and, and look at us differently? And I, I wonder if they would say, you know, what, what is this God that they worship? Look, look at their life. Look at how they, they treat one another. Look at how they work here at, at the company. I, I wonder, maybe I should go to that Elevate Church that, that they're talking about. Maybe, maybe I should go, because there is definitely something different about them. Because the reality is, church, people are looking at us all the time and judging us. Whether we like it or not, the reality is, people are always watching you. And here's what they're watching, and here's what they're judging. They're judging your actions. They're not judging you based on what's in your heart. That's the way we judge ourselves, right? We say, well, I didn't mean to, or, or this is what's in my heart, or they just didn't understand me. Or That's not the way people are. They look at your actions. And so what if we distinguished ourselves like Daniel, and the actions they saw were something unique? I just wonder what impact we could have in this community. And so let's answer the question today, how do we distinguish ourselves? How do we set ourselves apart as, as Daniel did? Number one, I think it's critical that we know who we are. It's a critical that we know our identity. And we have to understand that you are a son or a daughter of the living God. 
You are a son or a daughter of the living God. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. You represent God Almighty. He is your father. That's who you are. That, that's your identity. You represent the king of kings. You need to remember when you go into work Monday morning who your father is. I know our youngest daughter, Caroline, I can remember when she was in kindergarten, she used to have recess when I had my lunch break. And I would oftentimes go to her school and I would go out on the playground and I would see her from a distance playing with her friends and I would often yell out to her. I'd say, hey, Caroline Mateer, whose girl are you anyway? She would stand up and she would say, I'm daddy's girl. And I'd say, yeah, that's right. Now come over here and give me some sugar. She would waddle over, you know, and, and give me a kiss. I, uh, I remember her older brother, Philip. He, uh, he played football, and uh, again, we're, we're from State College, so that's what we do, right? So I remember he would be out on the practice field and out there, Mr. Tough Guy, running around with all of his buddies, and, and I would uh, often yell out to him. I'd say, hey, number 79, get over here right now. He'd come running over, and I remember I would, I would just grab him by the face mask, and I'd pull his face right up to me, and I'd say, hey, are you my boy? He'd say, yeah. Are you my dad? And I'd say, yeah. Proud of you, son. And so many times, I think our Heavenly Father is saying to us, hey, whose girl are you anyway? Are you my boy? We have to remember who our daddy is. We have to remember who we represent. When we go into work tomorrow morning, we have to remember we serve the King of Kings. That's our identity. That's who we are. When people are looking at us, that's who we represent. I remember our, um, our oldest son, man, he, he was a challenge. Yeah, that, that he, he was just, uh, uh, he was tough. I mean, they, they, uh, many of us say, you know, a lot of kids are in that gray zone, straddling the line between good and, and bad. And uh, no, he was way beyond the gray zone. He was definitely bad. And, and uh, I remember uh, our, my wife, Julia, she would take him to elementary and middle school. And every morning as, as she pulled up to the, the school in the carpool line, she would always have this, this conversation with them. And she would always say, now, Joseph, you need to remember, you are a mateer. God has gifted you for leadership. Now, Joseph, you have a choice today. You can either lead for good or lead for bad. Joseph, lead for good today. And so he would get out of the car and proceed in the school and proceed to lead for bad. <laughs> Every day, he was just like, despite what she said, he, he um, man, he, he just was, was a challenge. We, I joke now, we used to have these interventions at, uh, at, at school. We'd go in and there'd be a room full of teachers sitting in a, a circle and they would say, okay, Mr. Mateer, you sit there. And they would just go one by one around the circle and tell us things that, that he did. And... Um, uh, uh, I, can I just take a pause here and just, just say this? Um, parents, I, I just want to encourage you, don't ever give up on your kids. I just, uh, I, I just have a sense, I don't know, there, there may be some parents in here that are struggling with, with your kids, and um, this has nothing to do with my message, but I just feel somebody here or, or maybe in the overflow area needs to hear this, that uh, don't ever give up. God has not given up on your kids. And can I tell you that uh, Joseph was just, um, I, I mean, I got a lot of stories like that. His car 
in high school had real bullet holes going down the side of it where he was at a party was someplace he shouldn't have been. We told him not to go. And he went to this party and this gang rolled in, uh, got out their guns, opened fire uh, on the crowd. And Joseph literally dove behind his car to save his life. And unfortunately, I've got lots of stories like that. But can I tell you that today, he is a pastor on staff at Bayside leading high school students. Yeah. He is married, has a great wife, has a fantastic daughter, and God did all of that. And so I just want to share that with you. I think somebody in here needs to hear that because let me promise you, what God has done for us, he will do for you. Don't ever give up. We prayed for him, mainly this lady sitting over here in in the front row. Moms, there there is power in your prayers. The power of a praying mom, I I really give give her the credit, and she never gave up. And many times he would come home and argue with us and say, you can't tell me who my friends are. You can't tell me what to do, and you can't make me not go to that and not do this. And I would say... you're right, son, we, we can't. And I remember Julia would say, that's all right, that's all right, we, we can't change him. But I tell you who can, my God. He is bigger than Joseph. God can change the heart of a king. He can change the heart of our son, and, and he did. So again, that has nothing to do with this message. I just felt like, uh, like somebody just, just needed to hear that. So I just want to encourage you with that. So number two, we need to know that God has gifted each and every one of us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You see, when God created you, God created someone special. You see, your mom was right when she said you're special. You are. God created you with something specific in mind, something special in mind. You are not just some random person who is really great with with tools and mechanically inclined and who really loves to go deer hunting, okay? God has more in in store for you than than that. I, I know when I lived in Pennsylvania, I thought that was my calling to be the best deer hunter I could and to bag the the biggest deer. Any deer hunters in here today? Anybody loves that? Yeah, yeah. Several of us. Um in fact, I got to tell you, when, when I lived in, in State College, I had this buddy that had never been deer hunting before. So I, I wanted to take him deer hunting. He wanted to go. And so we went out one evening, and I told him, I said, now, if you get lost, I said, what I want you to do is every hour on the hour, shoot three times. Those of you that, that hunt know, know what to do. And, and so I said, I know this, these woods, like the back of my hand, I will get to you. So don't panic, just every hour on the hour, shoot three times. And I said, eventually, I'll be able to track you and and find where you were. We were in an area where there was uh, uh, no cell phone coverage. And so I I, I said, that's what we'll do. So sure enough, uh, dusk comes, I get back to the truck, and my buddy's not there. And uh, so then I wait, 8 o'clock, I don't hear anything, my buddy's not there. 9 o'clock, don't hear anything, my buddy's not there. And I'm thinking, man, that guy must have bagged a big deer. He's probably dragging it out. And... And uh, this, this is good. But then 10 o'clock comes. He's not there. I, I, I don't see from him. Now I'm starting to get a little bit worried. 11 o'clock comes. I hear nothing. No, no friend. Midnight. Now I'm starting to worry. And, and I don't hear anything. And I think, well, this is bad. This, this is really bad. And 
I'm thinking, I, I, I'll never find him out here by myself at night. And I thought the best thing for me to do is just go home. And next morning, I'll get a bunch of my buddies and, and we'll go, we'll, we'll find them. And so uh, next morning we get up, I call my friends. I said, hey, th this guy's never been hunting before. So let's go try to find him. And so sure enough, we found him. And when we did, I said, what in the world happened? He said, I don't know. He said, I did exactly what you told me to. He said, every hour on the hour, I shot three times. He said, until eventually I ran out of arrows. So, now that's funny. I don't care who you are, that's funny. So, yeah, a little, uh, a little deer hunting humor for you today. I, um, I can't tell that joke in Florida. You know, everybody would be like, what? I don't, I don't get it. So, so anyway, thank you for, for uh, indulging my, my deer hunting uh, this morning. So, 1 Peter 4.10 says that each one of us has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, according to that scripture, God has given us gifts, talents, skills, and abilities to do what he has called us to do. So if we say we believe God's word, we have to say that he has something specific that he has called us to do. He has given us the skills, talents, and abilities that we need to accomplish that. So maybe you're in here today or in our overflow area and you say, well, that's great, Pastor Mark, I, 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 I like that, but how do I know what my skills, talents, and abilities are? How, how do I know what, what he's given me? Well, so let's take a look at that and, and let's talk about three ways that we can know how God has gifted us. And by the way, I think most of us know. I think most of us, just as I've been talking about this, most of us know that I, I know. I'm good at this or, or good at that. But let's take a minute and, and talk about that. Number one, they have something here they call the crash course. I want to encourage you, for those of you that haven't taken it, I want to encourage you to go to the hub at the end of service and sign up for that. In the third session, there's actually a test that you take that will show you how God has gifted you. And it's amazing to me that 87% of believers, 87% of Christians, don't know how God has gifted us. Don't know what, as the Bible said, what is their part in the body, the body of Christ. Now, could you imagine if your body, if 87% of your body didn't know what it was supposed to do? You couldn't function. You, you, you wouldn't be able to do anything. And so I want to encourage you again, as soon as service is over, if you haven't done that, take that course, sign up for it. It's called the crash course. You can do that at the hub. Number two, it's simply, what are you good at? You know, it's not complicated. What do you do well? What comes easy to you? What are people always telling you? You know what? You're really good at that. You know what? You really have a knack for that. Where is there what I call a divine flow in your life? Where is there a rhythm there where you say, this is, this is something I do really well? Because so many times we get caught up in doing things that honestly we're just not good at. So many times we look at what other people are good at and we say, that's what I'm good at. And the reality is, we're just not. The reality is, we're, we're, we're in some cases, we're awful at stuff. And we just need to stop it. We just need to, to, to stop making ourselves miserable and and those around us miserable and just say, you know, I, I want to be good at this. I want to do this with excellence, but I just keep trying and I'm just not good at this. And then number three, what do you enjoy doing? 
You know, the thing I love about God is he is a good God. He, he's always trying to, to bless us, always trying to get something to us. He's not going to give us something that, that we hate. Now, I'm not saying that when we do our jobs and when we do what we're called to, that sometimes it's not going to be hard, sometimes it's not going to be challenging. It is. But, but what do we enjoy doing? We have a, a college at, at Bayside, and at uh, the beginning of every semester, the, when the new students come, if they mess up and do something they shouldn't do, they have this thing they call creative encouragement. And it's basically discipline. And, and there's this young lady named Savannah that has been, uh, I've known Savannah for years. And I noticed that at the beginning of the semester, Savannah was always cleaning. Every weekend I would come to church and she was always cleaning. And I thought, man, what in the world has Savannah done that she's always cleaning? That girl must really be messing up because every weekend she's cleaning. And I asked one of the leaders, I said, um, what, what did she do? You know, my goodness, she, she can't learn her lesson and, and she's always cleaning. And they said, oh, no, she, she likes to clean. And I'm like, negative. Nobody likes to clean. You know, maybe she's done something so bad you can't tell me, but it, I know it's not because she likes to clean. And then I, I ran into her one weekend and, uh, and I saw her cleaning and I said, uh, Savannah, sweetheart, you know, what, 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 did, what, what have you done? What? why are you cleaning all the time? And she said, oh, no, Pastor Mark, I like it. And I'm like, say what? She said, no, I, 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 I actually love to clean. She said, in fact, I believe cleaning is what God has called me to do. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I, I didn't even know that, that God could call somebody to, to cleaning. And uh, she said, oh, no, I, I just, uh, I love it. I feel this is what God has, has blessed me with. And she said, I even feel the presence of God when I'm cleaning. And I'll never forget it. She was at the front door of our church, and, and our doors are just like you. They're glass. And she said, you see this glass door? She said, every weekend, the bride of Christ comes through here. And she said, I believe the bride of Christ is special to him. Jesus calls the church his bride for a reason. And she said, I believe that if this is the bride of Christ, that this door can never be too clean for his bride. I believe that there can't be any smudge marks, any, any uh, dirt or anything. I, I just think as, as the bride comes in that, that I need to make this as clean as possible. And she said, Pastor Mark, when I'm doing that, I just feel God's presence. And when she said that to me, I thought about this scripture in Matthew 6 verses 19 and 20, which says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Now, let me just take a time out here this morning. And let me just ask you this. I know we're talking about excellence and setting ourselves apart and being an example and people looking to us and, and having an impact. But what if, what if we took what our skills, talents, and abilities are and used them here at Elevate Church to do this scripture? Now, Pastor Colby didn't ask me to do this. And honestly, I am not saying this because the church needs your help. I mean, as I said earlier, this church has got it going on. Something is happening here. Now, I think they would be better with your help, but I'm not saying this because the church needs your help. I'm saying this for your sake. And I'm just saying, 
you have an opportunity to make a difference here. Is it possible to take that scripture we just read and make a difference here while we still call it today? In fact, this scripture in Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another day after today as long as we still call it today. The reality is Jesus is coming back soon. I was just at a conference this past week, 4,000 pastors from around the planet. Everybody says, Jesus is coming back soon. Everywhere I go, all pastors agree. Yes, we are in the final days. He is coming back soon. It can be any day now. Now, as soon today, tomorrow, next week, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, none of us know. But we have an opportunity today to store up treasures in heaven. You have an opportunity today. And again, I'll just say what I said at the beginning. Go out to the hub. Tell them. Say, sign me up. I want to make a difference because you have an opportunity to do that. And so finally, now that we know the what, what has God gifted us with, let's answer the question, how do we do things with excellence? How do we, like Daniel, set ourselves apart? And and I want to talk about two ways. Number one is to set a goal, is to set a standard. Somebody once said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. What does the standard of excellence look like for you? We said at the beginning, excellence is being a good steward of your life. What in the world does that mean? What does that look like for you? Set a goal so that that you know if if you're hitting it or not. And, And for some of you, it may be as simple as saying, you know what, God, God has gifted me with, with my job and I'm really good at this. In fact, I can get my work done in, in 20 hours. Maybe for you, excellence is saying, you know what, my company is paying me for 40 hours, so I'm going to give them 40 hours. Maybe for some of you, you might say, you know what, whatever the expectation is, whatever the goal is, I'm going to go 20% above and beyond that. Set a goal so you know what, what excellence looks like. Number two, and and most importantly, we need to understand that God's grace is his empowerment to accomplish excellence. Let me say that again. God's grace is his empowerment to accomplish excellence. Now, I said at the beginning that it's easier for us to distinguish ourselves today than it was for Daniel because Jesus has died on the cross, and we have some things that Daniel didn't have. One of the things we have it's God's grace. And let me read 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which says, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how talented you are. We oftentimes get to the place where we say, God, I need your grace. I set the bar at, at, at 20% above, but but I just, can't, I just can't get there without your grace. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Grace is when you say, Lord, I just can't do this. I know I've tried. I know I've done things with excellence. I know I've done all this stuff, but I can't get there. Lord, I just need your grace. Now, some of you I know may be here and you say, oh, Mark, that, that's awesome news. You you should have told me that at the beginning, that all I need is God's grace, and I could have been checking Instagram all this time and wouldn't have had to listen to you. So I just need to pray for God's grace. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we still need to do everything with excellence. We need to work hard. We, we need to go above and beyond. But the reality is we fall short. We have God's grace. That it's, it's both of us working together. It's what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are labors together with God. 
It's us working as hard as we can, doing everything we can, but yet still knowing that, that we fall short and saying, God, I need your grace. I can't do this without you. In fact, can we do this? Can, can I just pray for you this morning? Can I just ask everyone here and, and everyone in the overflow area to just bow your head and, and close your eyes? I, I just want to pray for you for a minute. Lord, I just pray for everyone here and, and everyone in the overflow and those watching online. Lord, I just pray for an added measure of your grace upon them. Lord, I, I, I pray that, that as we do things with excellence, as we set ourselves apart, Lord, the reality is we, we all fall short and we need your grace. And so, Father, I just ask that, that everyone here, that you would just overwhelm them with your grace. Just sneak up behind them and, and overwhelm them like a huge wave with your grace. In fact, I ask this. I ask that, that for everyone here and those watching online, that, that, Father, you would take the skills, talents, and abilities that you have gifted them with and that right now you would supernaturally quadruple those. That when they go to work Monday, next week, next month, uh, for, for years to come, that, that, Lord, you would just increase them exponentially with their skills, talents, and abilities by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if I could just ask you for just one more minute, if, if you could still bow your head and, and close your eyes. I, I just want to take one more minute because I have a question for you. Some of you may be here and as you've listened to this message, you may say, this has been good, but my next step is really a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in here today and are in our overflow area and you've never made that choice to make Jesus Lord of your life. Or maybe for you, maybe you did at one point and for whatever reason you've, you've drifted away and, and now you want to come back to him. If, if that's you, if you would like to say yes to Jesus either for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to just simply slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just anybody else. Thank you. I see you. Anybody in the overflow area. Thank you. Just put your hand up and down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not talking about joining the church. I just want to pray with you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put your hands back down. Let me ask you just to pray this in your heart. If, if that was you, or even if it wasn't, even if you wanted to and you didn't, I want to ask you to pray this in your heart as I prayed out loud. Lord, I come to you and I give you my life. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I turn away from my own old life and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. Come and live inside of me. Change me. And I thank you for saving me. I thank you that I will now spend eternity with you. And I commit to walk with you each and every day of my life from this point on. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.